Do you like to read? Are you tired of the podcasts out there that just skim the surface of books? Or how about the book clubs that are designed to just get you to buy the book? Yeah, we were tired of those too. My name is Alan, and along with my friend Phil, I was tired of all of those superficial discussions of books. We wanted something deeper. So we created this podcast for us to discuss what we wanted, to dive deep into the books we read. Are you ready? Because this ain't your mother's book club. This is Two Dudes with an Opinion. Okay, so you were saying like this is your love letter, a love letter to you or a love letter to... <laughs> so this podcast is like my love letter to all my partners, to ah. my contractors, to my staff, right? Oh, dear. This is... Um, yeah, yeah, right. It, it, because I'm such a gentle, tender uh, person. Um, this is like my love letter to the world, and really, it's it, it's going to help if some of the guys, some of the guys that work with me listen to this. They're going to understand why I'm so hard with them, and sometimes and gentle at other times. And it kind of rounds up the whole situation. To help, it's going to help them understand that um, pre- preparation for crap hitting the fan is uh, a bigger deal than um, trying to make up for crap having hit the fan. Yeah. It's, you know, the interesting thing is some of the stuff that you were saying, you have to, you have to pick and choose your battles properly too. Um, So, there's a chapter in the next in their next book, Dichotomy of Leadership, where they talk about that um, very specifically uh, as a, a brief discussion of it. Um, Leadership capital. Well, that is that is part of it, um, and I've seen way too many leaders uh, waste their leadership capital on stupid stuff, um, like. I'll tell you something later. Um, it's just uh, like, if, I mean, the best example I, uh, that I can think about as far as like oh, some of that is definitely the, what do you, what do you call it? Um, oh, your mic is coming from your AirPods. That's why it sounds different. That's terrible. Let me go into my settings. Wonder what you did. Oh, because you unplugged it and then plugged it back in. That's why. I'm glad yeah. um, Zencaster tells me what you're using. Yeah, I see that now. So while you're figuring that out, I'll uh, tell talk about what I was thinking about. Um, in the next book, uh, Dichotomy of Leadership, uh, Leif tells a story about patches. Uh, patches are a big thing in the military and especially the SEALs because the SEALs tend to be able to uh, wear whatever patches that they want on their um, uniforms. Uh, it's all We've kind of talked about it where the special forces teams are uh their standards are relaxed um honestly it, it, honestly it's really just part of the tradition of it it's not necessarily any 
particular reason for it. Um, and Jocko was kind of like, all right, we're heading to Ramadi. I don't want to see any patches. We're not doing any patches. And, and very specifically, he was talking about some of the more obscene patch- patches that they would wear. And he's like, I, I don't want to see those. Those are very unprofessional and they end up creating a lot of um, heartache and pain uh, for for people because... Okay, well, we kind of got caught off there because of technology. I hate technology sometimes. Anyway, um, so what I was saying is th- they had some obscene patches and such that were just not professional and people, uh, and it created rifts between C- uh, the special forces teams and the conventional teams. Um, so Jocko is basically saying, yeah, no, we're done. We're not doing it. We're not doing patches. He completely nixed them. And so the team and like the team, they were very frustrated and didn't like it because it's a part of their culture and everything. So, but they, they went with it and they, they took off all their patches and, but Leif and a fellow officer, uh, went and designed a patch anyway, like or two patches anyway, and they distribute. They secretly distributed it among all of the other, uh, uh, among the team except for Jocko and uh, the uh, the the um, LCPO, uh, which I don't think LCPO was the correct term. But anyway, uh, because I can't remember it, in my head it is I, my head is just shot right now. Um, so. <laughs> Phil, okay, blink. <laughs> you were staring at the computer so intensely, <laughs> and you're muted. It's making me nuts today, uh, but I think I finally have it set up. I'm still on Yeti, and yeah. there it is. Oh, you sound so good. Okay. Um, <laughs> I so they brought they took it over with them to Ramadi, and eventually, as always happens, it got back to Jocko that they have the the patches. Well, Jocko made a choice and he's like, he didn't do anything about it. He could either like bring down the hammer on the entire team and, and uh, because they, they seriously disobeyed him uh, as specific, very specifically, they disobeyed a direct order and he could have brought down the hammer on them all, all, all that. Um, not like necessarily court martial role type, if that's what you're thinking. He could have. He, he really could have if he wanted to. Yeah. But, they were worried about it. Yeah. But they chose not, but he chose not to because he realized a, a lot of different things. And uh, some of that is you pick and choose your battles. This is, and this was one of those things where he's like, yeah, it's not worth fighting over this one. I'm just glad that all of the super obscene patches are not there and we only have the one and that's it. Like, and so that that's one of those things where it's like there are times where you need to be hard and, and hard nosed on your people um, under you and hard nosed about certain um, things. But then there are times when you do not be, you, you don't need to be because, and one of the big things as Phil alluded to is leadership capital, because when you are hard nosed about things that really don't matter, and, and people know that they don't matter, you end up wasting your leadership capital so that when you start, when you do try to come in and, and be hard nosed about the stuff that matters, people aren't going to listen to you. When everything matters, nothing matters. Exactly. One, yes, exactly. 
All right. So the chapter of the day is decentralized command. Woohoo! <laughs> Love it. What a long chapter. 48 minutes on audio. I don't know how long it is in the book. It's a good long chapter. Um, a lot of it is uh, just the anecdotes that they talk about. Um, let's see. In front of me, I have it starts on page 69, goes to page 191. So what is that? 22 pages? So yeah. I would imagine it had to have been more than that. It's a good chapter. And I really like the principle and the idea behind it because it's extremely important. Do, do, do. Yeah, I think uh, so too. It's um, this is, I think this is one of the bigger chapters in the whole book where they, um, you know, in a, in a hard way, in a way the, the chapter is hard to follow in the audio book, right? Mm -hmm. The first, I put timelines in my notes. I have six pages of notes for, for this uh, chapter and the um, they start off with the antidote, then they kind of jump around a little bit then, you know, so they start off with, yeah, they have these yeah. snipers on the roof and they they're about to call in got the wrath of God. And <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, we'll joke more about that later, but the, um, then they kind of go back and then they go to their training and about, you know, uh, Mount, the Mount school. And um, then they kind of go back into it after they do a little background to tell you why it's such a serious event. Uh, and then they kind of give more details about it. And then they go into the business case and it, it just, it goes on <laughs> back and forth. But in the first four minutes, it's like the first book of the Bible is like, yeah, boom. You know, there's so much in these first four minutes. <laughs> that I have three pages of notes. Well, then dive into it because you're, if you've got notes, let's go. <laughs> well, okay. So the, um, they, they start off with just saying South central Ramadi reckoning, right? So this is, yeah. you know, uh, they're about to give back some hell. Uh, and they're really about to level this whole building. In my opinion, they're not going to do a sniper on sniper combat. They're going to take a tank and blow this building to pieces. Yeah, because and, sniper and sniper just, yeah, it's, it's just yeah, easier to. Yes, it's not going to be this romantic chase and fight of. Oh, I saw him in Yeah, it's, it's going to be God's fire coming down on um, whatever poor suckers are under the sky. <laughs> um, so I don't want to spoil it, right? So <laughs> through the, the story a little bit. And I think that's a great cliffhanger, right? What's going to happen? Yeah. So they um they 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 start off with this case, right? That uh they're called in, there's uh enemy combatant on a roof with a weapon. They don't have really good visualization of it because the guys aren't really showing themselves. They just know it's not looking good, right? And no. um they're nervous about it. They're super nervous because snipers can cause a lot of targeted damage. Yeah. So every second uh, is you know potentially a life life gone i mean you uh, you know snipers they can't kill that many people that fast but you know in three minutes they could easily kill 10 20 people so unlikely uh, not but, just that but a sniper can take out your chain of command and yeah no, yeah yeah 
they can make a, a targeted mess. Yes. Um, so it, it's that's beautiful. why they're. So I don't effective. think these guys are so much worried about taking out the who was taken out because in their I can think I'm sure in their mind yeah there there's difference but um there I mean any loss is a loss and they already right. said it enough. So, yes, I'm. I'm just pointing out that uh, snipers can snipers cause chaos. That's that is the goal of a sniper. Yeah, yeah. They or, they can they really view. strike fear into the heart of the enemy because you don't know when you're going to be attacked. You don't know where yeah. it's coming from. You always have to be on guard. And it's like um, the alternative to sniper fire is random mortar fire. Yeah, there's so, a. Do you remember the series Band of Brothers? Yeah. Did you, Did you watch it? Very little bit. The uh, a lot of that mm. those kind of movies I don't get into too much, but mm. I saw parts of it, and I just don't think I could sit through the whole thing. There's a um, There's an episode where they they cover a sniper um, where they, uh, where they. Do uh, have a good portion of the episode dedicated to dealing with a sniper. Um, I think it's a very good episode uh, to that just conveys to people the fear that gets created when a sniper is there, because a lot, um, especially in urban combat and uh, well, just anywhere um, really, you're you're going. Your, your troops going and your buddy just drops dead next to you. Like that's, that's kind of what ends up happening. And then you're trying to track them down. You're trying to find them. You're trying to figure out what's happening and, and who, and you're trying to determine, all right, what cover is good cover? What cover is going to protect you from, from this? What, what cover is going to hide you? That type of stuff. And anyway, so just if, if you, if y'all are interested in trying to um, understand how, uh, how scary it is to be on a battlefield with a sniper, I think that um, Band of Brothers, that, that one episode, I, I don't know which one it is, uh, it, it, but it's towards like the end of the series. Uh, I think they do a fairly good job of conveying that feeling. Now, mind you, you're, you're 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 sitting at home in your living room on your couch watching it. You're not going to get the true feeling of it, but it just at least, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's kind of I maybe should have saw that before I gone went through this chapter. Um, <laughs> and it's exciting because they get this call and. Um, Armed en enemy fires on top of a building, appear to be snipers, comes over the radio, right? Now, the SEALs have two sniper teams out there. They know they have enemy snipers out there. They know they have insurgents. They know they have all kinds of stuff. They're out in enemy territory trying to take over. Mm -hmm. And later on, we see this is part of a really big offensive. Mm -hmm. um, now, Jocko, he's at this point, he's uh, doing command control of over 30 SEALs with including Iraqis and he's coordinating with, I think two army battalions. Uh, it gets into these details later on, but I think it's two army battalions, almost a hundred uh, armored vehicles, tanks, Bradley's, you know, Humvees with machine guns on top of them, all that good stuff. And they're trying, he's trying to command and control all this while including his two sniper teams and whatever other teams he has out there, uh, he 
you know, they don't talk about it, but obviously he has uh, ground teams that are ready to jump out and reinforce whoever gets uh, hunkered down while the uh, sniper teams are uh, watching overhead, providing some fire, keeping, keeping bad guys' heads down uh, without drawing too much attention to themselves. Now, the, um, it's interesting and challenging because the sniper teams are providing not just fire, but they're also providing eyes on the ground and feeding that up through the command teams. Mm-hmm. So I got the understanding that he doesn't have direct control of the two sniper teams, but he, he is somehow not only responsible for them, but also um, dependent on them to control the whole battlefield. Mm-hmm. So, um, and he just, they just throw out the command that the only way that he could lead all this is through decentralized command. So they throw out their key term there. Yeah, the, uh, <laughs> I like that and aspect I thought this of was it. Fun, where he goes in there and says he was con- Jocko was confident because he had groomed and trained these guys. He trusted that their assessment of the situation that they were in and their assessment of the mission accomplishment uh, would be taken into consideration, uh, and they would make tactically sound decisions independent of his direct feedback if things changed. Mm-hmm. So that going into it this i kind of want to put a like a little sidebar right here because that's where now we kind of jump we make a little micro jump in the story and he starts talking about he stops talking about the the guys you know the the emergency snipers and he's talking about his leadership style and uh, how he's groomed them and kind of some of the stuff that the trust that he has in them Mm -hmm. do you want to jump in at this point or should i keep rambling um to be honest go keep going oh, you awesome. are you like you're carrying this <laughs> okay i'm okay so, with it okay cool cool right decentralized command you're just delegating so <laughs> um so he's always leading with um he's leading with authority and court courage uh and limited information and he expects his subordinate leaders to do the same to even though they're not you know you know not colonels they need mm-hmm. to be able to lead with courage with the authority that he's given them within the bounds that mm-hmm. they they have and to know those bounds and that's this is just a sidebar in my experience it is so hard to to know your bounds how far mm-hmm. you should push that and how to relay the information up, letting them know, letting the command know that you are moving outside of the bounds that you are assigned because mm-hmm. the mission requires it. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that the ability to do that and the trust you have to have in the guys to do this and they have to have in themselves is, is a unilateral uh, equation that doesn't come from just saying, hey, go forth, I trust you. This comes from... Well, uh, planning ahead of time, having your uh, standard operation procedures, having your uh, full plan set up on contingencies and understanding how each other work and having uh, kind of had some pain points in the past where you've talked about it, you've suffered through some stuff and you work it out. So the um, while they make it at this point sound magical, uh, the, this we find out later on that they've been in this area working together for about three months. So right. 
That's one. That's part of it's, I'm, this is where I'm going to step in and interrupt. Awesome. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's part of the reason why they do. SEALs are, are essentially on a, uh, were with Iraq and Afghanistan, were on a six month rotation. They would do six months uh, a deployment, a six month deployment, and then in six months back in the States. And during that six months in the States, they do nothing but training. Um, and they, and they, they're preparing for their next set of missions. And everything that you described about that, I, I would I, I will quibble about one point. You said unilateral. I disagree. I think it's uh, bilateral because that's what I meant. Okay, uh, because it, you have to, you have to have trust in as a subordinate. You have to have trust in your in your the people above you, and your the people above you have to have trust in you, and all of that gets built via relationships. Um, it is extremely important that you build those relationships and we can take um we'll take that uh, a slight detour or we'll continue the sidebar with saying um that that also happens in in the corporate world as well that has to happen in the corporate r- world as well um so i will uh i'll throw out a couple of different things here in when you are a team there are many different ways that you build your relationships um, as a team. Uh, and, and some of those ways tend to be chit chat, tend to be the whole, hey, how's your day going? Hey, did you go see that movie? Uh, hey, did you watch the that game last night? Things like that. Um, that is, I, I, I think, a lot of people who are getting just getting started as uh, leaders, um, or let me maybe I should take a step back and say I think a lot of people who are young leaders and who are young, uh, who, who are young, and are getting put into leadership positions do not fully understand the value of that type of conversation. Um, they ju- they they tend to think that oh we need to be one hundred percent focused on the job, one hundred percent focused on what we are doing all the time. Uh, and the reason I believe that happens is because when you are young and you are um, put into a leadership position, it's because you are a high performer, and to um, and high performers are the one are ones who focus or who are very focused, especially at that uh, at a young age. And and I'm picking on on young people right now because um, this that's the demographic that I see this mistake in the most. Um, not necessarily the older demographic. Uh, so when, when you start a meeting or when you have meetings, uh, you need to let people have chit chat. You, you need to let the, you need to get, uh, allow the meeting. I, I like to say you need to allow the meeting to breathe. Um, when you jump on the, if you're, uh, in an office, What's what ends up happening is as people are walking or filtering into a meeting, they're 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 chit chatting, they're talking because people are trying to get to a meeting early, and they're they're talking about stuff, and then as they're leaving, they're talking again. Um, so you need to let that happen, and when you're in a meeting, you need to allow the opportunity for side uh, sidebars to happen. 
Now, there's the, as Jocko likes to say, there's a dichotomy to that of you cannot let that, if you're in the middle of a meeting, you can't let that sidebar go too long. Um, but anyway, and when, when you're doing like phone meetings and, and you're doing stuff over Zoom, like we are very much doing in, in the world of today, when you jump on, you can't just, don't just dive into the meeting. You also need to uh, allow for that chit chat as well. So th- that's just one way that you build relationships and stuff. Um, the, t- the teams, SEAL teams, military, the military is a family. It, it really is. Um, when you're, uh, when you, um, like in the Navy, when you get put on a, a new boat, you and your section, you're going out for drinks, you're going out to, uh, you're, you're, you're going out to, uh, restaurants, your, your wives are getting to know each other. Your, your kids are getting to know each other. Like it's, it really is a family. And that's how like a lot of these relationships and this trust gets built up. Yeah. The, um, yeah. And, uh, Later, I want to kind of dive into exactly that. The um, in the military, there's a lot of social stuff that happens. Uh, the officers have their parties, and then the whole yeah military units have their par- group parties, and then the NCOs have their parties, right? So there's three kinds mm-hmm. of parties. There's mm-hmm. uh, NCOs, officers don't go to the deal with their enlisted guys. Then there's the parties for everybody. And Hopefully, everybody they that. don't. <laughs> you know, they don't. <laughs> they, uh, they just be kicked out. They shouldn't. The, the party <laughs> they, um, they shouldn't be going. I have seen that happen, and that's it. Not changes good. the dynamic. Uh, an officer could completely. go, but they would change from the party to whatever, and then they'll have another uh, informal party later. So I've just seen don't about the officer anymore. <laughs> yeah. Well, I've also seen where the officer goes and the uh, it's generally junior officers and junior enlisted partying together and they don't have that um, maturity, I would say, to recognize the, the, the division. And so they end up getting way too friendly. I suffer from some of that. You know, I'm going to talk about some of that later on because that's obviously um, and it's more common in the small, the smaller your team is, the more technical your yes. team is, the more yes. common it is. And yep. some of that is okay, I think, in some ways, but the maturity level to make it okay is yeah. a tough one. Um, it but is. We talk about that later because that's kind of going, that's going to take us off track. And there's so much to oh. talk about. There's so much to talk about that. That will not just take us off track. I think that could, I think that could end up being a full episode. Uh, just talking about like relationships between um, subor- uh, leaders and subordinates. But since we hit the topic, I want to have fun with it. It's just like, um, oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I have to. Uh, so what's this, the, this uh, Me Too movement, right? Oh no. Destroying <laughs> women's opportunities to develop in uh, corporate America destroyed it. Women for the next 50 years will never have the chance to become as good as men. Thanks to this me too crap. Congratulations, feminist. You screwed it up for the rest of your girls. We've been demonetized. (laughs) We are getting canceled. Seriously. Like I respect this whole women need to, uh, if they've been taken advantage of, or injured or whatever. Um, I'm, a, I'm, a, you know, I'm all about. I'm going to here. I'm going to piss off the others. I'm all about Go the chemical 
uh, circumcision for a guy that does stuff that he shouldn't. Wait, 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 wait. How are you pissing off the others? The others probably agree with you on that statement. <laughs> so, okay. Well, I try, you know, I generally try to piss off everybody equally. Um, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll work harder, but I, like if you are a rapist, a real rapist yeah, uh, and really doing stuff that is totally inappropriate by any terms reasonable, uh, which is getting blurred more and more somehow. I think they ought to do that little chemical treatment that makes it so that you can't do anything with your I, body anymore. See, so my 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 general my view of it is I agree for some people on that, but then I I am this is this is an I, let me put my thoughts together. <laughs> there, you can't be willing to, to come to that kind of punishment. When it comes to that kind of punishment, I am at the point of if somebody is a rapist, I, I death penalty. That's I, I mean, basically what I was saying. And if we go, definitely we go back to offender. Yeah. Oh, 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 yeah. It's like we go back to like Harvey Weinstein. Weinstein, I, he he should he should have he should have received the death penalty. He should have. Well, I mean, he was working with the killeries. He was done. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no matter what. <that's, laughs> <laughs> we 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 both stand with her. We both voted for her. We, yeah, we I voted for <laughs> not Hillary, Miss Hillary Clinton five times in that election. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I yep. don't know how she lost. Same. Not at all. I think it was a scam. Russians did it. Yep. Those pesky Russians. Uh, Anyways, <laughs> hopefully I did enough uh, Hail Marys on that one. Uh, please don't suicide me. Uh, I have children. Um, we are, we're way off topic. <laughs> I'm just okay, going to so, say it here. I will never commit suicide. Doesn't yeah. matter how ugly the situation is. I will not do it. It's against my faith. I may want to sometimes. It will never, ever happen. So, so I want to take a step back and ask you why you believe that the um, Me Too movement killed it for women in corporate America. Okay, cool. So let's have that discussion. Um, I love helping everybody, right? Women, Mm -hmm. guys, uh, if if a felon did his time, and paid for his crime is looking to reform i'm even interested in helping him right um for some exceptions some people i just don't want to deal with (laughs) and it goes back to the ones that we just mentioned that should have the chemical treatment right um or the the terrible things little kids there's i just can't deal with such people i don't think they're but uh that said (laughs) there's hope for everybody in some way the um I'm a big advocate for helping people, giving them chances, working closely. Uh, I get very intimate with the people that I work with. I open up a lot and my demeanor is very friendly, very intimate and open. And it's very easy to confuse that with um, sexual interest. So um, I will not work with women independently. I like if if you if there's a woman that's working for me, um, and this is going to upset a lot of people because it's not fair. It but it's the reality. It usually of it. does. Uh, it's 
I won't work with you independently. I'm not going to mentor you and I'm not going to get a close relationship with you because there might be something that you one day come back and say that is totally made up, but it will upset my wife and my children. And it's so much better for me to never allow that situation in the first place to whenever I have women around, there's uh, either multiple other women or guys around that's going to keep me in check, keep them in mm -hmm. check and make sure the record happens. Furthermore, yep. it's probably going to under be under video. <laughs> Fair. I mean, and I, that's I would just I, how women destroy themselves. They will never get my deep personal wisdom because I cannot afford to open up to them. Yeah. Uh, I would uh, go back and also add in not just the the, the unfair when, when you say uh, oh, someone coming back to you and saying something untrue. I would also throw in the it, it is highly likely that you say something and it be misconstrued. Um, and, and that ends up being very like I've had that happen to me. Um, I there uh, I've had it happen where. I say something and I'm joking and it gets misconstrued. Somebody gets all upset uh, about it and I have to sit down with uh, a couple of people and explain to them like, look, no, that's not what I meant. And that's not what was going on. And yep. Um, suffice it to say, I ended up leaving that company uh, on <laughs> my own terms. Not, not the uh -huh. Sure. It, but no, no that's, that's yeah. basically what happens, right? Well, see, and, and that's, yes, and, and that's part of it. And it's very good advice, very good advice for one, for men. If you have women subordinates, because it does happen, you need to be careful. You need to be 100% careful um, at, at all. Ass. What? Yeah, yeah. You, Cover like, your you, ass. You need to be careful about that. And uh, oftentimes it, it can be so like um, at one company I was at, they were very cognizant of it. They were very careful with it. And so there were lots, there was lots of guidance in there saying uh, in the company saying, look, if you are, if you are a mentor to somebody of the opposite sex, you cannot and should like, they basically sat there and said, do not go into um, an, uh, 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 an, an office, office or a, bar, a booth or a something car. and close the door. Like they, yep. they basically were sitting there saying, you need to be careful with this. Um, and, and I say that and because the operative phrase there is a, a member of the opposite sex, because the thing is we, we are, we are two men talking about it from a man's perspective. The other aspect of it is it, there's also it, it from the women, a woman's perspective, um, if you are a woman and you have men who are under you, uh, as subordinates, Hey, the rules apply to you too. Okay. Like it's, it's very important for you to have like to, to CYA. It's like, you don't be alone. And then <laughs> that's actually an interesting point. Um, but then like flip that around too. If you're a woman subordinate, like you're a woman and you have a male, uh, male who's in a leadership position uh, above you, don't be alone with him. Don't like it's one of those situations of if he's like starting to 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 like do things where 
he's like, hey, let's go and talk in this room. Okay, don't close the door. Like, it's all of these little things of you keep, like, you got to keep your eye out on this stuff because there are terrible men and there are terrible women out there who will go and will destroy people. And honestly, for on the men's perspective, men don't, men, it's all about, it's all about sex. I mean, that's what, how we're yeah. driven. <laughs> most often and most often powerful men, successful men are, yep. are oversexed. Yep. Yep. And for, from, uh, for women, it's, uh, in, it's a manipulation thing. It's a man, like, it, this they, is the woman's tool. It's yep. part of the woman's tool set. It's natural. Yep. And it's, I mean, that's just, <laughs> I'm sure if some of my friends who are women who are listening, they're probably like freaking out on me right now about this, but it's like, this is, this is what I've observed. Okay. I, uh, it's all the feminist toolbook. Use your powers. <laughs> and you know, in, in a lot of ways, I'm kind of like, I'm all f- like, in, in a lot of ways I'm for that in the sense of if that's what you like, if that's what you are naturally good at and naturally like gifted at like, and, and you, you want like you want to do something good manipulation is perfectly okay especially if you're doing it for something good and and you're trying to like get somebody to do something um that's that's good like ethical that's what i'm saying like something ethical (laughs) yeah yeah and being winning at your whatever you think is right is ethically right in your mind yeah so use all the tools in your tool test yes the idiot guy that's married falls for that good luck and you know what he may love it (laughs) and he may enjoy it right and he probably does and he'll suffer later and you know he lives and learn and you know when he's living out of a box with alimony and all that that's his problem um uh phil is that a personal story no i um (laughs) i uh, fortunately i've always been like i'm i'm for my wife and everything i do is for her and the family and I pray to God that he doesn't let me uh, screw up that relationship. And very personal concept is that I, in my relationship, it's a threesome. It's my wife, myself, and God. And I don't want to mess up that relationship by bringing something into it that doesn't belong. And I'm like any other guy. I have weaknesses and uh, I am sexed. Yeah. Right? I'm driven. Yeah. Uh, I'm a hard player, but uh, it's something that's uh, I recognize in myself that's uh, a challenge that has to be monitored. So, well, and that all of that takes himself, know what his weaknesses are, and all of that it takes a significant amount of maturity to recognize in yourself because we most most successful marriages you have to recognize a lot of what you just said as a, as a man. And, yeah. and, and I say that as someone who had a fail, oh, a failed relationship, partly because of some of the stuff that you said. So I learned the hard way. <laughs> yeah. Laugh, and sometimes it's not the guy, guy, sometimes it's the guy. But, um, well, yeah. And, uh, oh gosh, yeah, that's the other aspect of it. <laughs> anyway, moving uh, on. <laughs> I got, I got, I, maybe afterwards I'll tell you a story of a friend. Um, oh boy. If you remind oh, yeah. me, uh, I had an off, a friend that's an office police officer. So if you want to hear the story, ask me later. Um, oh boy. Well, yeah, the, um, it's, it's really, you know, the tools of a woman is important. She should be able to utilize them in oh, a yeah. way that's natural. 
I don't like hiring women, but I also love hiring women because they yeah. bring in a perspective that is different than mine. And when she's in her element, uh, it really brings a, a great balance to everything that a team does. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, a team that's just all men uh, is going to miss a lot of things. Uh, a mm -hmm. team that's all women is going to miss a lot of things. This is why we value diversity. Um, it just True it comes diversity. at a cost. Diversity always comes at a cost. Sometimes it's worth it. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes diversity is just bad, right? Not mm -hmm. all diversity is good. Mm -hmm. That said, back to the topic of where should, where should we go back to <laughs> after that one? Well, so all of that, all of that is based upon everything that we just talked about is based upon building relationships with people. And when you build those relationships, you build trust and everything and how important that trust is. <clears throat> and so with even, even if you are a leader and you have women who are, are, are subordinates to you, you have to build a relationship with them at some point. Now you need to take, you, you need to be careful about how we, how you do that as everything that we just said, but you have to build that relationship because you have to have that level of trust. Because if you don't have that trust there, you're not going to be able to accomplish your mission as a team. And that is a lot of why um, they were talking, uh, why they jumped back and forth in this section between their training and the battlefield, um, because they, they're indicating how much trust they had to build. And so getting in uh, so coming back into i guess i can't really say present day um into the situation situation that they are dealing with uh in ramadi go for it awesome so essentially the, um the next thing he points out is that this relationship doesn't come easy like alan uh, is saying it comes through fire comes through uh, suffering, it comes through working under hard situations and dealing with pressures, deal, but, uh, being forced into situations that are uncomfortable, that are chaotic, uh, that are insane, right? So he, he goes into that for a little bit and then they kind of jump into their mount training. Um, and I, I've never been to mount training. That would have been so fun. I guess it's in T Kentucky. Uh, probably I would have had a hard time getting past the bourbon, but that's okay. If I was so dedicated, you know, they, they joke about it in parts of the in parts of the book where they're like, you know, yeah, these guys uh, they go out, they party all night, and then they they get up at five in the morning or four in the morning, and they're you know like you never knew they were trash. Um, yeah. And I'm like, this was the part. This is Kentucky. This is what he's talking about. They were in Kentucky when he's talking about this. And he just didn't want to say it. So it, the pieces are coming together. <laughs> and it just, um, it, it talks about how, it talks about some of the scenarios, uh, not some of the scenarios. They didn't really get into scenarios too much, but he got into the principles of the intense pressure, dealing with chaotic situations. Uh, and where the guys were talking about saying, complaining that they're this, um, the instructors are cheating. They're doing cheap shots. They're oh, doing yeah. unfair practices <laughs> and it's so unfair. Uh, I can just imagine a bunch of big, tough seals say it's so unfair. They can't do that. 
You need to use that voice more often. That's hilarious. <laughs> I, I will. I will for sure. Um, Good. That, that's my uh, sarcastic, sarcastic, Socratic uh, review voice. Um, but it's not supposed to be fair, right? Now, if we take this right. back to business, right? Your your enemy, your competition, isn't going to play fair with you. Uh, some of them may play ethically, but even they are going to try to find the fringes of that to find your weaknesses and mm -hmm. exploit them because that's business, right? <laughs> that's taking food out of your mouth is sometimes putting it in their mouth, right? Mm -hmm. So this is both military and uh, real life situations, I think. the um, Life isn't fair. Get used to it. Suffer through it. it. Yeah, there it was. It's honestly a lot of it is uh, a lot of that phrase is kind of one of the things that my parents drilled into me as I was growing up is life isn't fair, move on or things like that. And and it's the, the older I get and the more I observe reality and observe life and it, I recognize, yeah, life isn't fair and it doesn't matter. It just does not matter if life is fair or not. Because oh, you're so you, sweet. I'm like, life is fair and you got what you deserve. I don't feel like that happens, honestly, with a, a lot of people that people, uh, a lot of people get what they deserve. I, I really don't. Um, I have seen many leader, many people in leadership type positions, since we're talking about leadership and stuff, who make horrible, stupid d decisions and who bully, pe bully their subordinates around and they don't they don't get punished for it. They don't get like, nothing comes back and bites them about it. They, they end up failing upwards. I mean, it, that's well, it's, it still affects them. Uh, it comes around and goes around. And if you're working in a situation where, um, where you're allowing that to happen, it's like the relationship with a narcissist. You both stay in that relationship for a reason. True. And if you don't have the skills to get out of that relationship, then you need to look at your life and maybe go to dev slopes or something <laughs> and get some skills that transfer and not be so darn desperate. But really my opinion, and I, it's I'm, my wife, this makes my wife crazy. Cause I'm like, yeah. if you're in a bad situation today in the world, you can almost always uh, in a modern Western society, you can basically get out of it. Oh, I there's, agree. There's you there. I agree 100% that you can get out of that situation. But the thing is that person who is essentially being a bully bully or who, who's in, in the wrong, I don't like, usually I don't see that person ever getting punished. I, I, I really don't see it happening. Um, no. Because, and maybe they and, won't, and, right? And maybe exactly, and that and that to me in is a way that's obvious. But um, th there's in my in my faith, right? <laughs> God judges. God does punishment, right? Well, sometimes yes, we don't and see it, and sometimes we don't understand it. Uh, but it, it's it's true. I've I've been in these situations where uh, it was bad. I got out of it. The person kept their, doing their own stuff. And I looked back like 10, 20 years later, I'm like, oh, that happened to them. Wow, that's much worse than what I thought was appropriate. <laughs> right? See, I, my, my, my view on that is you, you are um, 
the the punishment does not necessarily come in this lifetime is what it what it is ultimately yeah and that's what but like when i when i'm so when i say when i personally say like life isn't fair i mean the mortal life like that's the way i view it because it's the gratification is yeah uh, because a lot of people, so, th- and this is one of the, 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 a big problem with people, um, is a lot of people have a utopian vision of this life. They, they expect and want and desire and think that this life should be 100% fair. I mean, it, it, hence the whole, um, desire for, uh, communism type, uh, societies, Mm-hmm. excuse me because to them they look at it and it's like oh it's more fair i'm the one doing the work i should get paid more or i should get such and such um things like that like i heard that a lot in, when i was working in the shipyard i heard that a lot from a lot of people and i'm kind of like eh, no that's that's yeah. not how this works that's not <laughs> how it goes you, like, you, you want to get paid more? that chunk of time for that much money you got what you asked yep. for. <laughs> it's funny i actually just recorded a, a YouTube video on um, time uh, and why. Uh, yeah, the it was it's kind of like uh, some of the discussions that we've had in the past. Like the reason why I use a Mac for all of my development is because it just works. I don't have to mess around with a lot of stuff, and so and time and and time is money. And in order for me to maximize my productivity, I need something that uh, saves me time and. I don't have to go and fight around with it to do my work. So that's what I, that was the whole point of the video. Anyway, time is money. It is a way around that. It is. Um, boy, I let's keep going because we haven't Uh, even really gotten into the the principles. Can I, Oh, you want to, do you want to do that now? Yeah. I'm so sorry. I can't hold it. Well, we haven't even really gotten to the whole principle of the decentralized command. I feel like this this one's going to go on to another episode. What do you What do you feel like? I, I just want okay. I'll, I'll save these questions for later because I really want to get through the rest of the book because it's also good. And it is, but this, like the principles I, if I here. Favoritism. It's I, we're going to go back to chapter four. So four. Which one's chapter four? Oh yeah. Oh well. <laughs> All right. So. Where did we leave off? <laughs> so we're talking about mounts and how it's unfair that you took. Yes, that's I can't right. Take it. Stop that, you evil trainer person! Um, trying to save my life and make me be disciplined. Um, <laughs> terrible, terrible people. Um, <laughs> Jeez. The, uh, so I, I, I just love that idea of training in an unfair way, right? Mm-hmm. Just um, in a safe. Like I think, I think being considerate of the health of your people while you're training them is very important. But um, training fairly and letting them win uh, is nothing to do with fairness. No, not at all. The um, sometimes learning uh, the best thing you can learn is how to fail gracefully, uh, especially in the military. Uh, mm-hmm. especially in business, especially in life. Uh, the more I think about it, learning to fail gracefully is almost more important than learning to succeed quickly. That's true. So, That's very true. Not that I want one without the other. Um, 
just, you know, one, I was in college and one instructor was making fun of me and he's like, Phil, you got such an ego, but let me put it this way. If you're right, more than 50% of the time, you'd be rich. You wouldn't have to be here. It's true. Right. And I'm like, dang. And then later on, I got married and I realized I wasn't even right 1% of the time. <laughs> <laughs> Marriage does that. <laughs> yeah. Right. So I should have learned how to fail gracefully. It would have been saved me so much frustration. Uh, you know what? There should be a boot camp for guys going to get married where it teaches mm. you how to be married and fail gracefully. Um, I think they call that those marriage girls counseling. Have Say it again. Did you hear? I think they call mm. that marriage counseling. Marriage counseling. Pre-marriage counseling. Yeah. It's either that or you see the psychologist afterwards. So <laughs> one or the That's, other. Yeah. Divorce counseling. Your choice. Whatever. Pay now, pay later. Sooner or later, you're going to pay. <laughs> Always. The, um, Doesn't matter. I'm having fun. I, uh, as a, I am tearing up the side, sidebars today. Later on, I want to show you my notes. I started using the, uh, the smart notes technique or part of it. So, Good. Um, it, was, it was interesting. We'll talk about that later because I don't know how well I executed. I'm sure I'm doing terrible at it. But, um, Go ahead. Back to the story. I know. Uh, <laughs> I'm kind of like let's just finish. Let's just finish talking about the the story, and then uh, in the next episode we can dive into the principle of decentralized command because I think we covered a lot of really good stuff um, on this side of the uh, the episode. So yeah, we're at 48 minutes. Okay. Yeah. So um, <laughs> it talks about where leaders realize that they had to rely on their subordinates and execute based off of a good understanding of the broader mission. Uh, and they, they go into the, they realize they had to, uh, execute based off the commander's intent and the standard operating procedures. Mm -hmm. So those are essentially like the two keys to making it so that leaders could delegate. And this comes up because the way they did it is that they'd, uh, they'd give a leader the chance to lead 35 people or so in a complex battlefield where things are intentionally insane and quickly. Uh, the leader and subordinates learn that it, it can't happen this way. You can't micromanage yep. 30 people in a complex field, especially where you can't see them, see what they're doing. They can't communicate directly with you in many cases. They may lose radio. They may lose key players. Uh, just you got to have these essential uh, boundaries that you operate in. And that was, yep. I think, essentially how he um, encourages the the uh, subordinate leaders to execute uh, independently in a decentralized way. Mm -hmm. And then they kind of go into uh, a little bit more about how they do it. They talk about uh, dividing the teams up into small groups, four to five people. Yep. At one point he says four to six people. He says in another place, um, I think, I think he said for seals, they could do four to six people. I think he's really thinking six, uh, maybe yeah. four for specialty teams. And then I think he's thinking like outside people should maybe do one to five people because they're not seals. Um, so, but yeah. do ones anyways. Uh, so what he points out is that humans can only really manage six to eight people at a time, which means that the optimal team size is about four to six people with a clear leader. Um, that's, that's the important thing, uh, with it, uh, with this, um, because yeah, sure. You could, you could, uh, try and create a team of 
eight people with one leader, but it, you are definitely stretching that leader out uh, pretty thin at that point. And you don't want to do that because that leads to uh, the popular term today is that leads to burnout. So uh, anyway, yeah. And I think it really, there's two things. It's, it's less on the uh, leader's ability to uh, direct people and vision and see things. Of course, that comes into effect. Some people can't manage yep. themselves, right? Yep. Past that, I think it's how, how rigid is the person's task? How much uh, creativity and how much chaos is actually in, uh, possible in, a, in a, a group? So the more chaos that is uh, possible in a group, in a team that they may mm -hmm. experience, the smaller number of people that you can manage. So I agree. I would also throw in it depends a lot also on your subordinates. Um, so at one point I was managing a team of three people uh, and three or four people. And that was it. That was all I could deal with. Uh, and it was not because of my ability uh, so much. Uh, and, and it wasn't so much also because of the uh, chaos that was going on. It was because uh, those people needed clear direction. Uh, they needed micromanaging, um, which was not something I, I wanted to do, but that's what they needed. I had to be on them all the time and saying, this is exactly what you need to do. Uh, I had to go and pay attention to uh, everything uh, that they were doing. Um, but I feel like if you have a team that is filled with more self-managers, uh, people who are self-starting uh, and, and can like do their own thing, you can increase that team size uh, a bit more. Um, and then, and that does, that itself uh, increases your team's ability to deal with the chaos uh, is the self-management. The, the people who essentially take um, ownership of themselves and their job uh, are the ones who they're the ones who allow you to have larger teams. Um, and then they end up also allowing you to be able to uh, handle uh, more and more chaos. Um, you can handle a lot of chaos too with people who need clear direction, as long as you as the, the leader are able to give those people that clear direction. And that's the important aspect right there uh, for that type of a team. It just, it's hard because you're dealing with people and anytime you are dealing with people there are clear principles to follow but there are no clear answers it's situational dependent uh, in the later section i want to really hit on um how to kind of break up your teams like what your yeah. goals are uh, yeah. And when you have stability versus growth, there's different ways you may want to break up your team. And I, this is such an interesting topic that I want to, I think like five minutes would be fun, but I don't want to hit it here. Yeah, um, let's not hit it here so because we could definitely go, uh, uh, we could go quite a while on that type of uh, philosophy. There, yeah, there are multiple uh, books on that type of stuff. Um, one good book in, you may have heard of it is uh, The Five Dysfunctions of Teams. I think that's what yep. the the book is called. Did you have you read that one? Yep. Okay. Yeah, that's a that's a good one. Um, 
there's others. Uh, anyway, <laughs> they'll, they'll come. They'll come to me as we're we're talking. So yeah, the um. So after he talks about breaking up into the smaller groups of teams, he then goes into he's still talking about how he set it up in his combat situation. There's yeah. uh for the uh. For Jocko, he had uh, platoon leaders that only had um, three squads, two, three or four squads that they had to worry about, generally three, and then his platoon chief. And then on top, above him, there was a company leader, commander, who had essentially just a couple of platoon leaders and his fire chief. And it just keeps going up, right? You, mm -hmm. you have two... All the way throughout, you have two, three, four people you're you're leading, uh, all the way up until uh, Jocko, where he then had to coordinate just a couple uh, leaders on on his side, but then he had to coordinate some leaders on the the battlefield outside, where he was coordinating the the seal resources for the snipers and the resources of uh, tank commanders of whatever ground troop commanders of signal teams of air force of artillery all that kind of beautiful stuff <clears throat> artillery through okay. battle <laughs> just had to throw that out there <laughs> i'm not saying anything because <laughs> i oh yeah because my my grandfather was cavalry and um my my job was definitely not that. So my job was these, <laughs> my job was the sneaky, sneaky stuff. So oh, you had so much fun. You got stories, um, and I, I don't have any stories because I was very boring. <laughs> um, <laughs> so boring and so desperate. Um, <laughs> you know, is is that why why you you have to be careful about around women, Phil? Because you're desperate, so desperate, so desperate. Um, <laughs> I'm blessed. My wife is like a 10. So. <laughs> I'm going to have to meet her one day. You have to. You have to. You'll have fun. She may like you more than me and run off with you. So I'll, oh, I'll boy. wait until you're a little older. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're going to have to, you're going to have to take, bring the family here to the U S to vacation. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It'll be fun. Uh, there's so many places I want to go on vacation, but um, <laughs> The world is so small and so big at the same time. I don't think it I have is. enough lifetime. No, um, you don't. Because uh, anyway, go on. <laughs> Let's see. The uh, so he's you know, junior, coordinating, just coordinating. Yep. Um, junior leaders had to uh, learn that they have to make decisions, and part of that is not asking. They can't ask, uh, "What do I do?" Right, that's not allowed in yeah. this situation. Once, yeah. once the game starts, uh, they can no longer say what What should I do? What can I do? They then they then have to say, "I will do this. This is what I'm doing." Yep. For shoot it up, and the when it gets up to the 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 next above that, they have to facilitate that whole thing. And yep. I'm going to kind of jump ahead a whole bunch of crap at, at this point. Uh, when you're subordinate people say i'm doing this you have to if you're doing decentralized you have to empower them to say this is what i'm doing yep. not what do i need to do and if they ever say what do i need to do it needs to be a situation that is so outside of the normal that they just don't have enough information and it's critical 
Right. So they really need to be comfortable with saying, this is what I'm doing, pushing it up and being able to start action and respond quickly. If they get a message back saying, no, you need to change your course. And yep. maybe you give them a reason, maybe you don't, but they have to have that comfort in there. And the leader that's getting this doesn't need to see himself as being uh, ridiculed or disrespected when things change. He needs to, at this point, he should be proud that his subordinates are taking charge and executing without him. And he needs to facilitate that up or down, whatever, laterally to make to make it happen, to get them whatever resources he anticipates that they'll need because the team is probably at this point should be relying on him to then provide whatever resources they need to support the choice that they made because they're the ones with the information on the spot. Yep. So I want to pause you there for a second because um, this is something that in in the nuclear service, um, we hammer home big time um yeah i can imagine why (laughs) yeah we we hammer home very very heavily that one safety is everybody's responsibility yes like if you're working in some industrial place you you hear that stupid phrase all over the place and it is a stupid phrase um but really when you're in the nuke service and and you're you're operating a nuclear reactor hell yeah safety is everybody's business because you, you you mess that up, you kill the entire you t- you kill your entire crew, like that's that's not good. Or so, you lay waste to a whole agriculture. <laughs> well, if you're in a um, um, above ground, above yeah, water <laughs> like uh, Chernobyl. Um, yeah, Chernobyl is a, a pro- uh, the the only example of that, and I'm serious about that. Fukushima is different completely different and three mile island was nothing like we 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 talk about that but really it was nothing (laughs) Um, oh yeah and that's what keeps us very safe um there have been two we have lost two nuclear submarines um in the entire uh service of uh nuclear subs since the 50s and both of them, we uh, we can pretty much guarantee that there is no radioactivity going on in that area uh, where the, those two subs are. Just there just isn't because of the way, the safety protocols and everything that we put into place. It's Rough. very yeah. There ha- there has literally been no nuclear accident in the nuclear navy. It's just stated fact. Um, God bless the navy. And, and all of it is because of the safety procedures that we put into place. And a lot of it is this. It's this decentralized command. It's this idea of ownership. Um, one of the, So one of the things that we end up doing is it, it, we have to follow procedures. And we have tons of procedures and stuff. Like everything is written out for us. And we have to, we have to follow it very carefully. And so what we end up, what you end up doing very often is when you want to do something, when you want to perform an action, you tell the person above you saying uh, things like, sir, I intend to do X. And then they they confirm, they verify very well. 
that's that's the response that you get back like it's very scripted a very scripted response because mm -hmm. the whole idea is that you are taking responsibility for your station and you are taking ownership of the actions that you are about to take and you are giving the uh giving your um your senior your the, the person above you the opportunity to intervene and it, and that's what uh decentralized like that's one of the powers of decentralized command um is is you as the subordinate are taking ownership and taking responsibility for what you are doing and you are informing the person above you so they are aware of what's going on and can either step in and say no i would prefer this or I just give you the acknowledgement of go ahead. And in the, in the, the survey in the, um, in the Navy, um, that goes all the way down to the most junior level sailor, like the most junior level sailor on the, on the boat, when they're performing an action, it's not always because they're being told to go do something. Very often it's, I intend to do this, sir. And then the, the sir says very well or no or whatnot. Like they, that's a very important interaction, um, that's going on. And that's something very important for you. If you are in the corporate world, you, you should never ever, well, you should rarely go to your boss with a problem and that be it. You should go mm -hmm. to your boss with a problem and a solution. Because like one of the um, one of the hardest things that you can do is the your boss is busy, like extremely busy, and I've like I've been there, and I, I it dry it drove me nuts when I had junior devs coming to me and, and saying, "What should I do? What do I do? How do I do this?" What is like that's not why I hired you. I hired you to be a problem solver. Come to me and say, "Hey." We have this, I, I just ran into this problem. This is what I did, or this is what I want to do or what I am I'm going to do. And I will give you the, the acknowledgement of, okay, cool, great, whatever. Because that then take, that alleviates me as a senior of the, the, the necessary thought processes, this necessary uh, cognitive load of having to try and figure out a solution while I am dealing with some other fire that you do not know about. And, and you're in, and it really is, it is very often I am dealing with a fire that you don't know about. And it's not because I don't want you to know about it. It's because you don't need, you just to don't need to deal it. with it. Yeah. Right. It's and your job to protect compartmentalized problems, to protect yes. people from yes. things that they can't work on or that's going to bother yes. their performance. Now that's I will part of what a leader should do. Now there is a there is a dichotomy to that of I don't want to shield everybody from absolutely everything to the point where they are all siloed within their their um within their respective fields. Like I, I do sure. want I do want communication. I do want yeah. like talk. I want like po cross pollination and stuff. Yep. But part of my job as a senior is to recognize when a when a fire is going on that I, I have to recognize, okay, is this a fire that you as a junior needs, need to know about because you are working on, like, it's, it's a, 
it's a balancing act. It's, it's as Jocko says, it's a dichotomy because I need to recognize, all right, what are you working on right now? Okay, you're working on something super uh, important. If I bring this fire up to your attention, that's going to take you away from working on this other thing that is super important. Uh, Phil just commented, protect the innocent from distractions. Exactly. Exactly. Um, because it's my job as a, the senior to recognize when you need to know about certain things and when you don't. And it's not, like I said, it's not that I don't want you to know about that stuff. It's that I'm trying to ma- keep you being to like, I'm trying to help you be effective and everything. Like as soon as like some fire is done, I will come and tell you about it. Cause that's the other aspect of this. Um, like, op- I'm a huge believer in open communication. Like I am a huge one. If you are in at a company and you're, you have Slack and you notice that there's a lot of private Slack channels, there's a problem. And I'm serious about that. Like, I do not like that. I think that is a problem because it brings up for a lot of people, like, what are you trying to hide? What are you trying, like, what are you doing? Well, you should know the Slack channels, private Slack channels are not private. That's the other aspect. By the it. way, just so yeah. you should know, like, if they have a certain membership, that's all open to the yeah. owners of the channel. To And, so, and the other aspect is even DMs. Yeah, even no, DMs that's what I'm saying. The private messages inside yep. that channel yep. are... No, 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 no. If you, the private messages inside the Slack workspace. Yeah, yeah. And then the private channel. And the private channel. Like if you're an admin okay, on Slack, you can, yeah, yeah, yeah. But like their channels can be private too. It's just it's a mess. I don't. I really don't like private channels. I'm not like a huge fan of it because to me, like I said, you're, like sil- you're siloing things, and it, it brings into my mind what are you trying to hide? I'm a huge open communication fan. Mm-hmm. Me too, but I don't want notifications for every little thing, right? Like I have the image of Alan running around with his hair on fire, fixing everything and three people running behind you with marshmallows uh, cooking on the fire over your head and saying, well, you told us about the problem. So we're having fun with the fire. Yeah. So that that was me years ago. Like that's what that that's how I was years ago. But I have since learned. Yeah, no, I, I don't. I don't want that, but that, but that's my point or, but like one of the nice things with let's just continue working on, uh, with the Slack example, you can create, like, I'm a fan of you create channels and you add people to to the channels that need to be in the channels. Don't like turn off the feature that as soon as you create a channel, there, there's a feature in in Slack where as soon as you create a channel, everybody gets added to that. That feature Mm -hmm. needs to be turned off first off. And anytime you create a channel, the channel like you should always default to public. You're you're even even if you all have contractors who are coming in, like I I'm not a huge to be blunt about this, there is very, very little information out there that needs to be secret within corporations. Very little. And that information is usually centered around financials. That that's the stuff that that probably should be secret. But business strategy and business decisions and corporate strategy and things like that, they don't need to be secret. Who cares? Like a book that we need to read is called um, Infinite Game by Simon Sinek. Okay. 
in it, he, he, he points out who gives a flying flip what your, uh, what your, um, what your competitor is doing. It does not matter. Okay. When, when you start caring about what your competitor is doing is when you've lost the game. And it's the people who who don't care about what their competitor is doing and focus on just the game itself. Okay, that's the that's when that those people succeed phenomenally. Okay, there's a reason Apple is was I, I don't know how successful we can consider them today, but there's a reason why Apple was so successful under Steve Jobs, like. He didn't care what Microsoft was doing. He couldn't care less. And, and, and that was extremely important. So anyway, like I said, there's very little that within a business that needs to be kept secret. Open Slack channels, open communication, all of that stuff is extremely important because that builds trust, that builds that ability of you to be able to go and give your, empower your subordinates and such. So, all right, we have been really going on about this, and I feel like there's more and more that we can talk about. What do you uh, do? You think so? Yeah, yeah. So just to, just to point out, we are at the um, so far we've discussed the first eight and a half minutes of the book, the chapter. Yeah, but the rest wraps up pretty quick. Yeah. Um, what are your so, thoughts? I think we need to do another episode on this. Okay. All right. So I would say let's wrap up the uh, the public portion of this, and we can move into the the uh, the private um, because of time and everything. So we will return uh, in the next episode, and we're going to continue talking about decentralized command. I'm uh, actually kind of happy that this is a, a very this is an important chapter because it is. Um, Honestly, it's really diving into how teams are run and how you should run your teams. And I think that's a, a very, I think it's a cool topic and, and I like it. So can I give right, a little so teaser? Go for it. So when we come back, we're going to go back to our Armadi and we're going to see what's happening up on that rooftop. <laughs> yeah, because it's an, it's a really interesting conclusion. So, all right, we'll talk to you all. Uh, if you're uh, free or you're, you're getting this through Apple or uh, Spotify or your normal podcast and stuff, we'll talk to you next week uh, and continue about this. If you're paid, hang on, hang tight. All right, everyone. That's it for this episode, but our discussion didn't end here. We actually went on for another hour or so. If you would like to hear the rest of that discussion or the full unedited podcast, please head on over to do two dudes with an opinion.locals.com. That's two, the number two, dudes with an opinion.locals.com. And for the, just the price of a cup of coffee, you can hear that full unedited version. And if you want to talk to Phil and I directly, uh, just buy us a you know trip to McDonald's. That's it. That's all we ask. Anyway, if you enjoyed this and like what we are doing, please leave us a five-star review in Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcast. That really helps us in the charts. If you didn't enjoy it, well, well, I'm sorry. You can just 
drop Phil a line and, and let him know what you what you thought. And his uh, email is in the podcast notes. So just let him know. We'd like to hear from you. Before you go, please hit that subscribe button so you can get the latest episode from us. Otherwise, you can find all of our social media uh, in the podcast notes if you want to connect us with us there. If you do all that, we'll continue bringing you these great episodes, these great discussions. Thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you later.